Hello, you're listening to No Such Word as Can't with me, Hazel McBride. I was always told growing up that there was no such word as can't, and I genuinely believe that that mentality instilled a belief in me that anything was possible if I just set my mind to it. As someone who started off with a seemingly impossible dream and somehow made it my reality, I want to help more people achieve their goals by giving them actionable advice as well as sharing stories from others who have done the same. Today I get to sit down and reminisce about my wedding and talk all things bridal fashion with Alicia Cole from Alicia Cole Styling. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks so much for having me. I am so excited to talk to you about all things bridal fashion and honestly just fashion in general. Um, But for anyone who doesn't follow you on socials, doesn't know who you are, can you give yourself a little brief introduction? Sure, of course. Uh, So my name is Alicia Cole. I am a personal bridal stylist. Um, So I work specifically with folks who need a little extra handholding when they are looking for their wedding wardrobe. Um, I've been in the industry for about eight years now, and I love it. It's amazing. Honestly, as someone who got married last year, I think is the thing I was looking forward to the most was finding my dress isn't I, th- mm. I feel like for most brides that's that's the that's what they dream about is going and trying on their wedding dress have you always felt drawn towards bridal fashion or did you start off you know mm. wanting to pursue fashion in general so I was definitely not like one of those little girls who dreamed about her wedding um I or, or even really was like super into fashion. Mm. I have always been plus size. Like I grew up fat. And so fashion was something I had to like endure more Mm. than, Mm -hmm. than like be excited about. But I, I do think as I like started to be in college, started getting older, I got more excited about fashion. I've always loved weddings though. Like I've always loved like reality tv wedding shows I oh, love yeah. wedding magazines but I I had not like thought it was ever gonna be a possibility for me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean that never felt like a path I could take um until I got engaged and after like I was in it and as a plus size person being in it, it was so challenging and I had this moment of I could do this better and then that's when I started <laughs> like well then let's make a shift. Yeah I love that you said I want to take it back a little bit to when you were younger and you said that fashion felt like a challenge for you as a plus size child teenager adult. I feel like when we grew up there was much less or the movement was much less in the public eye of people just accepting themselves and using fashion as a way to showcase your own personality. Like back then I felt like it was so much more about hide this and cover that and do you remember the exact moment where you first felt like you couldn't wear something oh my gosh I mean I I mean I was in elementary school not fitting into jeans like Mm. I grew up in you know the 90s so it was still very much the heroin chic Mm -hmm. which is yikes a little bit coming back (laughs) uh pray for everyone um and so I mean, I mean, I remember being in elementary school, being in an old Navy fitting room, just in tears because I couldn't fit into anything. Mm. And I look back at pictures and I wasn't even that big of a kid. It was just the time. It was so Mm -hmm. challenging. And so I 
you know, there were a few catalogs and that's where like my mom would help me go shopping is, is in catalogs. And that's where I would be able to find stuff that fit me. Um, but it happened like very, very young. I mean, I was on Weight Watchers, I think at 11 or 12, you know what I mean? It's just, I know. Right. Can you imagine looking at like an 11 year old child and being like, here's your goal weight. (laughs) So but it was the time and it was, you know, something that at the time I wanted, but you're a kid, you don't quite understand. I think the impact that kind of dieting really has on you. Yeah. And I mean, when you're that young, you're kind of a byproduct of society and what everyone Mm -hmm. else tells you, you should be, you know, putting an 11 year old on Weight Watchers is basically just here's eating disorder 101. (laughs) Here you go. This is, this is you being introduced to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I think about it. It's like, yeah, I did lose a lot of weight or did I go through puberty? You know what I mean? Like I grew a bunch. (laughs) So my body changed. And And it is one of those things where after I had lost a little bit of weight on Weight Watchers, I started to maybe be able to fit into a few more things. Mm. And I remember there being like a chunk of time in junior high and high school where I got really excited about fashion Mm. because maybe a few options had started to open up. And I remember one year for like before school shopping, having a list of like, okay, I want these boots and I want this skirt. And my mom was like, so impressed with me, like, look at you putting together an outfit. And it was, it was because it suddenly was an option. You know what I mean? And that, that made all the change in the world. I think that's why I love, you know, the body positivity or the body acceptance movement so much these days, because how awful to limit any person so much of how this is how you're allowed to express yourself through your clothing. You know, it's such a personal choice. You know, to be honest, my personal choice these days is sweatpants uh, or pajamas because I work from home. But, you know, for so many people, it's it's how you show who you are. Yes, it makes a huge impact and it can help you, I think, decide how you want to show up in the world. Mm. Like like today I am in this like selkie piece that is pink and princess sleeves and it was just like thank you and it I also oftentimes work from home and there are days where I am like I just want to be comfortable and that is how I want to show up in the world and then there are days where I'm like I'm in LA right now and it has been so rainy and gross and I'm like I need to bring a little bit of sunshine I got to do some (laughs) dopamine dressing today but you're so right It, it is a matter of expression yeah, I love that you are the pop of color in a gray world state. I wish this was not an audio medium so you guys could all see Alicia. Um, do you remember the first time you thought to yourself, screw this, I am going to wear what I want and be myself and fuck diet culture? I there There isn't like an exact moment. I think the truth of it is uh, in college, was when I stopped dieting so much. Mm. And part of that is honest to God, because diets are expensive. Okay. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Where it was like, it, it is an industry for a reason. And it was like, I can't afford like to go to a Weight Watchers meeting. I can't afford this kind of diet food. And that was honestly a huge catalyst for it. Um, and another 
as like, this sounds maybe so cliche. And I wish, I wish I could give you an answer. Like this one thing happened and I said, I am enough. And I went forward, but it was, it was also the people around me, like Mm. supporting me, like Mm -hmm. I falling in love with my now husband and having, that was the first time someone really like told me I was beautiful and I knew Mm. that they meant it. And having that helped me see that in myself. And I wish, you know, I don't think everyone needs that, but that was a huge catalyst for me. And after those like few little tiptoes, I started to seek out a lot more fat representation, both in media in books and trying to read more about diet culture. Cause at that point, like when, right when I was coming out of college, I think I the conversations were a little bit more accessible, mm-hmm. like Instagram and Tumblr yes. were starting to like really pop off. And there were plus size, like people showing what they were wearing. Mm-hmm. And so it was, again, the community aspect of it, of like seeing other people do this so I can do it. Yeah. It's and all about that was sort seeing, of the catalyst. Yeah, seeing yourself represented, you know, potentially sure. not at that point in magazines or on billboards, but opening your social media apps and going, oh wait, here is this gorgeous fat person showing up and existing in the world. Hey, maybe I can do that too. And, you know, I think it's so worthwhile mentioning that for anyone listening to this, who's struggling to accept themselves or comparing yourself to people that you see on social media, change your social media. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Change what you're consuming. You know, if you're following a person who's probably a lovely person, but they're making you feel bad about yourself or giving you body image issues, stop following them and choose Mm -hmm. to follow black, queer, transgender, plus size people, like diversify your feeds. And that's something that I did years ago. And I Mm. am so grateful that I did. Yes. No, that is so huge. It Like what you see really does affect like how you feel about your own self. Mm -hmm. And I say this a lot of times to my clients who are getting married too, because the bridal industry is the same where so many of these like major publications online are going to show you the same, like Mm. very thin blonde hetero wedding. Mm -hmm. And the second you get like sucked into that, you think that that's what you need to look like. And that isn't the reality for most people I know at least. And so diversifying your feeds for wedding stuff too is so helpful. And I feel like if you do that early enough in your wedding planning process, it just sort of explodes what you think of as a wedding and what you think of as options. See, I wish I had done that specifically with wedding Mm. stuff because I've been very, I would say, body neutral and body accepting for probably the past five, six years. So I thought I was like, I'll be fine. I'm not going to diet for the wedding. I'm not going to try and fit into my wedding dress. But it totally got to me. Like, I would say maybe about six months out from my wedding, I was like, I need to lose weight. And I started, I crash dieted and I did lose a lot of weight for my final fitting. And then guess Mm. what happened between my final fitting and my wedding day? Oh, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dress still fit. Just Did it fit. Okay. Just Ooh. it just fit. It broke on my wedding day. The uh, the the hook and I at the top of I. the cor- at the top of the corset. My husband, bless his heart, was helping me to pee. So we went- <laughs> I don't even know my listeners. <laughs> if you guys don't want to hear this, skip forward. <laughs> um in the disabled bathroom 
in the hotel. This was just before uh, the dinner. So thankfully we'd got through the ceremony and all the photos and stuff going to the, the toilet. And I'm sure any brides out there know how you have to pee on your wedding day. You're facing the cistern. He was helping me with all these trains and skirts and veil and everything. And I heard a pop and I asked him, I said, did my dress just break? And him being a man was like, no, it looks fine. And then (laughs) halfway through the dinner, I was like, the corset, the front, I wasn't wearing a bra because it was a corset, was just gaping. And I was like, what is going on? Like, has this stretched? I was so confused. And then my maid of honor had to safety pin my dress together for the reception. You know, you can do what you gotta do. Oh my God. Right? Right. So when you were engaged and you knew that you wanted to get married and find your wedding dress, did you manage to avoid that? No. So for me, I, when I got engaged, I was so excited and I, I, like listen I'm a say yes to the dress super fan I was so excited to start shopping oh yeah um and I was really one of the first of my friends to get engaged and so I hadn't done this process at all and when I started to call shops um and say hey like I'm a size 18 street like am I ready to wear Mm -hmm. do you have things for me to try on and everyone was like no oh no (laughs) everyone the the one call that like sent me over the edge was this woman they're you know they're trying to be very nice but she was like you know we can just sort of pin the dresses on top of your body like a little paper doll and then you can kind of see what it'll look like and I just thought if I'm gonna spend two thousand dollars on a gown I better be able to put that gown on my body and see what it looks like so I it was really challenging and the way I ended up finding my dress was I went back home to Seattle to visit my folks and my mom had set up an appointment in this like little tiny store that was an offshoot of a larger bridal store and this little like hole in the wall only did plus size Mm. and it was one person who was running that store and she was a goddamn angel and she was just like so kind and all of their all of their samples were plus size and I tried on like three dresses and I said yes to the third dress and we were done and I do think a lot about like if there had been more options would that have been the dress I picked and probably not but I loved it and Mm. and that's what mattered and both the negative part of that shopping experience of calling places and no one being able to help me and then having this one person be like a shining light Mm. that was really the like okay I want to I want to do what she just did because we got to fix so much of what else is going on here yeah I mean I can't even imagine that I feel you know I'm a straight-sized person having to even think about phoning up a bridal shop before you make an appointment to be like hey do you have dresses that are gonna fit you know it is very discriminating you know and I love what you stand for is that all brides deserve to have the same experience when they go to try dresses on yeah it is one of those things where I I have sympathy for the bridal boutiques I've worked with enough bridal boutiques at this point I understand the challenge because the bridal shops have to purchase these samples you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and they're trying to make guesses about what's going to sell well for them and trying to figure out their inventory Mm. but it's sort of like a snake eating its own tail because what will happen at like a good boutique will be there you know when it comes time to go to market and see the new designs 
they usually will like look at their sales from the past year or the past six months and see what is done well in different sizes. And they will use that information, that data to make informed decisions about what to purchase next in terms of what kinds of samples, what sizes, what colors, et cetera. But what happens is if they only have certain sizes or if they only have a, like ball gowns in their plus size section, all their data is showing them is, well, plus size people love a ball gown. So we're just going to keep buying that ball gown. Mm. And so the cycle just sort of continues and it takes someone in a shop to step back and say, Hey, actually we're getting a lot of people who are, you know, a U.S. street size 24 who wants something that's really fitted and we just don't have that. And so no one's buying it because we don't have it. Mm. Let's make, let's take a risk. And it is a risk because they don't have any proof that uh, this will sell for them. They don't have any like proof or like, you know, it, it's just a risk. It's them spending money. But I see that happen. And more oftentimes than not, that risk pays off tenfold. So it it does require a little bit of courage and and someone being a little bit of a disruptor in the system to start getting those options open for for folks who do not necessarily fit this cookie cutter idea of what a quote unquote bride is. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're seeing a bit of a change in that trend. Like Even when I was following a lot of bridal stores last year, a lot of them were opening up not necessarily full on plus size branches, but they were expanding their plus size section. And I remember lots of like wedding Q and A's, you know, on social media where the boutiques were asking, what do you guys want to see? Or what are you worried about for your appointment? And I would say maybe 70 to 80% of the responses were, do you have anything that will fit me? Do you cater for plus size? Yep. Yep. It's so common. And, and I agree. I do like from the time I've gotten married to now, it's been huge and it hasn't been like that long of a difference. Like I was shopping about eight years ago and between then and now, huge places I called that didn't have anything would have something to fit me now. Not all of them, mm. but some of them. Um, the, the like troubling thing I do also see though is people saying we do have plus sizes and either their plus size is like a bridal 16, which in the US that the size difference is very extreme of like a bridal 16 is usually like a ready to wear 20, sometimes 22. And so that's huge. Or their plus size section is very small. It's like Mm -hmm. six dresses. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love the step people are taking and I'm excited to see folks continue to take those steps as, as we go along. (laughs) So what was your wedding dress like? Um, so I refer to it as the kitchen sink dress because it had (laughs) everything. It was a ball gown. The skirt was the champagne color. So very soft pink tone, tons of tulle, giant. The front was um, like a very traditional lace and the neckline was like a Queen Anne neckline so with like a little cap sleeve. Oh, lovely. And then the back was completely bejeweled, just glitter, buttons. It was, it had a little bit of everything. I, yeah. it, I, I loved it. It was so much fun. Sure had like a little, little glitter belt on the waist. 
nice and if (laughs) it's not what I would do now but (laughs) I was just gonna ask that I was like looking back now if you look at all the dresses that like you have what would you pick now my gosh I so we did a vow renewal last year and I was able to borrow a dress from Honey Bridal in Chicago which was very nice and it was clean it was like a very soft a-line crepe dress with a full like bishop sleeve and a very deep v it was stunning. If I was like doing the full wedding again, I don't know. I would probably be one of those people who does like three different dresses. I was <laughs> like, I would, I would go all out. An um, indecisive queen. <laughs> an indecisive queen. We love it. Um, I, I'm really loving one of my favorite designers right now is Tara Latour and she is doing a lot of color pieces. Her most mm. recent, um, her most recent selection, her collection is uh, based on a Dolly Parton song, Wildflowers. Oh, I love and it. it. Oh God, it's so cool. And there, there's of course like ivory pieces, but then there are also these like beautiful floral fabrics and colors and she'll do like two pieces. So I would probably, if I like had to just pick one, I would probably pick something from that collection. It you is are, so you are fun. a big fan of non-traditional wedding style. I love it. I think that there's something really exciting about it. And I think it's like a very particular kind of challenge of how do you do something that is colorful and still feels like a wedding dress? Yeah. And I don't know, it tickles my brain when I think about how do we make that, how do you make that happen? Yeah. And when I say color, I mean, proper colors, like when, oh yeah, my dress isn't white. My dress was also, what was blush. So kind of champagne, the underskirt. Love it. And I remember telling, um, oh no, it was sand actually, it was sand, not blush. And I remember telling my husband, who was my fiance at the time, oh, my dress isn't white and it's sand. And he was like, you're not wearing a yellow wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> Typical guy. I was like, yeah. no, it's not yellow to you. It will be white. <laughs> You will not be able to tell. Oh, that's my favorite. I love when I'm in an appointment and like a grandma will be like, you just look so beautiful in white. And I'll keep my mouth shut because I'm like, that is, that is a champagne dress. That is it. Like, that's not a white dress, but she doesn't even know. That's fine. Of course, a beautiful white gal. <laughs> Have you ever had a bride come in wanting like a traditional wedding dress and leaving with something completely like color, non-traditional, mm. everything? I... I've had like a few folks who, who make certain changes, that particular kind of change. I think I've seen happen like once Mm. and it was like a big surprise where, and it wasn't that, um, extreme of a gown. It was, the color was like oyster. So it was like this beautiful, almost lavender Mm. color. Um, and she wanted a ball gown and that was a ball gown but it just happened to be in this like layers of beautiful colored like lavender lavenders and tulle and so there's that I feel like I sometimes I see the opposite happen where especially now when people come to me because I'll take them to multiple different boutiques I don't work for Mm -hmm. one boutique anymore um I get a lot of folks who are looking for non-traditional gowns and they think they want that. And then they try on a more traditional dress and they surprise themselves <laughs> at how much. Isn't it so funny it. though? Like even for me, like trying on dresses, you think you have an idea of what you want and what you'll like. And then you try it on and you're like, Oh, actually this isn't like my dress. I was convinced I wanted full sleeves for mm-hmm. since I was maybe 14 years old, full lace oh sleeves 
Kate Middleton's dress. That's what I yes. wanted. I wanted that dress. <laughs> My dress, sleeveless. Listen. I mean, I it had little it. little off the shoulder bits, but it was sure. practically sleeveless. Yeah. No, I love when that happens. And it happens all the time. Like half of what I do with clients is us pre-shopping and thinking about the vibe we want. And then I know, and I, I'll warn people, but sometimes you just, it just is going to happen where once you actually start trying on, it might be exactly what you think, but so often it's going to surprise you and you just have to let it. You know what I mean? The worst is when you start, like when you see a bride start to judge herself for like, oh, I really like something that's fitted and strapless, but I thought I wanted the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Don't judge. Go with what you love. Whatever makes you feel like fabulous and you can see yourself walking down the aisle. Great. You did it. Yeah. <laughs> can we talk a second as well about dress regret because mm. I think I saw this it was someone else on social media talking about it a bride-to-be and it's about you pick a dress like a year in advance of your wedding and you know your body changes and styles that you're seeing changes and you know nowadays you have so much access to media that you're seeing so many other styles so by the time it comes for your wedding day you're kind of like oh do I still love my dress I don't know <laughs> yeah it is, it is a challenge and I see it happen a lot. And there are a few factors that you absolutely mentioned where it's like, you have to shop like a year out. So in order to find your dress, you have like all of these Instagram ads don't know that you've already bought your dress and they are still popping up. And also you buy the dress and then your dress doesn't come in for another eight months. So it's not like you get to see the dress again until it's time for alterations. And so it, it does get a little blending. And we're also both in like, you know, regular fashion and I'm starting to see it more in wedding fashion. The trend turnover is so high. Yeah. We are just super powering through trends at two, I think the detriment of, of everything. <laughs> like we're, we're so afraid that something will become won't be timeless anymore but yeah. I I'm of the mindset that like nothing's going to be timeless and that's part of the beauty of it is it's a snapshot of this moment and you have to be okay with that but yeah. honest to god with dress regret one of the best things I can tell people is once you say yes to a dress unfollow unfollow like any sort of like dress focused accounts like see go to like Instagram you can block certain ads block them stop looking and it's tempting to just and it things will still pop up so the other thing I think folks really need to keep in mind is when your dress comes in you're gonna put it on and nine times out of ten you're gonna still feel that feeling you're gonna put mm -hmm. it back on and it's almost always a relief mm -hmm. is what I see in people's faces where they're like oh right I forgot I, still love I it. feel <laughs> fabulous like <laughs> Plus, when you add accessories, when yeah. you have your hair done, your makeup done, all of those factors make it special. And there are times I have had people who say, nope, I hate it now. And we find we find a new dress. We oh, find a new goodness. dress. It, it, you know, it can get a little scary because at that point, the options are so limited yeah. because a lot of times you can't get a new dress, but you make it work. It's, it's one of those things where it's important. And if you're honest with yourself and you really, really don't like that dress anymore, and find yeah. another solution <laughs> I think as well you know for me anyway I think there's an element of like meant to be um mm. with me saying I wanted full sleeves 
and I was getting married in Scotland. So we were estimating, it was June, but we were like, oh, it's probably going to be cold. Likelihood of it raining, pretty high. Uh, no, it ended up being one the only sunny weekend in Scotland oh gosh. at the beginning of the summer. And it was 25 degrees, but there's no AC in any of the buildings. So it feels like 35. If I had had full sleeves, I would have died oh so so hot and sweaty <laughs> there's a picture there's a picture of me after the photos sitting in a chair in the reception with all of my skirts pulled up a towel between my legs and a glass of ice water in my hand I was melting oh no melting. they're toasty those dresses are toasty it's a lot of skirts it's a lot so of skirts oh my god I think regardless of how you feel about your choices leading up to your wedding day, at the end of the day, you're going to be overjoyed on that day because it's your wedding day and you pretty much forget about what you look like, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. As long as you are in the moment, which is maybe one of the most challenging parts of your wedding, but also the most rewarding, being in the moment, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think, at, like you said, at the end of the day, you're getting married, you're starting this incredible journey with your partner. And that's what a wedding is. <laughs> yes, it's not about the dress. It's about the marriage. The marriage. Indeed. As much as I, the dress is also important. Listen, it will be important to me, but <laughs> at the end of the day. It's important, but it's not, not the most important. It's not the most important thing. It's up there. <laughs> it's up there. So when you got married and went through all of these experiences of being a bride and trying on dresses and how you felt, at what point after you got married did you decide, hey, this is actually something that I maybe want to explore as a career? So I actually um, started it while I was planning my wedding. I Amazing. Literally, I think two months into wedding planning, I was like, career shift. Because um, I, I, I went to school to be a teacher uh, for a theater. I have a theater education degree. Um, I wasn't loving it. I was like a secretary at the time. And I said, oh, I just want to do something completely different. So I was still planning my wedding. And I had started sending like my resume to any bridal boutique in the Chicagoland area, just anyone. And I was really, really lucky um, that this one boutique kind of in the suburbs um, was willing to take a chance on me who had no like retail experience, no fashion experience, just a lot of customer, like customer service experience. Um, and uh, Deanna's Bridal in Skokie, Illinois, uh, God love them. They're the best. And my manager was incredible and very, very um, just like so knowledgeable, not just about bridal, but about fashion. Mm. And also was someone who kept the coolest head I've ever seen, <laughs> like was just able when we were dealing with pretty intense cases, things would come up and she led with like such grace. And it was the best possible first experience working in a boutique that I could have possibly asked for. Amazing. Uh, it, it was amazing. And so I worked with them for a while my husband and I moved to LA for a few years and I worked at a um, very bougie bridal boutique like on Rodeo in Beverly Hills. Totally different experience than like Chicago suburbs, very different clientele, uh, very different price point. And that was incredible too, because I learned so much. Um, the work environment itself was a hot mess, but I learned 
an incredible amount. I got to meet a lot of designers. It was very, very special. And when we moved back to Chicago, um, worked for a few different places. Um, and, you know, being able to be in boutiques, I think was what has set me up for where I am today. Like without that experience, I, I wouldn't have any of the knowledge that I would. It was really important. Do you have any standout moments or stories, good or bad, from working in the boutiques that stick out in your mind as like, I feel like I'm on a reality show? Oh my God. So most, I, I, one of my biggest regrets in life is not having a book of like writing down everything that happened to me when I was working at Beverly Hills because- That book would sell. (laughs) I know, and I'm so upset at myself Uh, because every day was just- chaos. It was like in a good way and also in a bad way. One of my favorite stories is there, we would get a lot of designers coming in for trunk shows. So like the designer themselves would be there, uh, to basically help sell. Um, and it was this Italian designer and there was the designer himself who did not speak any English. And then it was like, uh, an Italian did anyone personality. speak Italian? no 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 one spoke Italian but it was it was it was the designer and then this like Italian personality um who I wasn't familiar with at the time I I cannot remember his name um but who he was doing like a partnership with this designer and Mm. having his own line of bridal and I mean this was years ago at this point so I feel okay telling this story but um the the gowns were gorgeous they were very very expensive and while the clients so we have held, like a like a price range like the low the like the cheapest gown quote unquote in that was 10k all right mm-hmm. so so that was the low end of different tax line. bracket different tax bracket um and I had this one fabulous bride uh who was really interested in several of the pieces and there was this one dress in particular uh that was this beautiful ball gown um but it was, um, it was a scuba material. So it was a neoprene. A neoprene As someone gown. who has worked in a wetsuit for eight years, I would not be like caught this. dead wearing a neoprene <laughs> wedding dress. I can't even imagine yeah. what that would look like. So it's like, it's a little different than your actual wetsuit, but it is still that neoprene and you see it still it, what it allows, it's very heavy as you can imagine, but it allows for certain structure and Mm. draping. Mm -hmm. And so it's super cool, but it's a neoprene and it's a $10,000 neoprene gown. So I, it's her favorite. She's looking at it. I've got like eight different family members here ooing and aahing over her and they keep asking what the material is and I keep avoiding the question <laughs> I'm like I'm not tell- I'm not gonna tell them I'm like oh I'm just not sure but it's beautiful isn't it and they're about to say yes and so I grab the Italian personality because he mm. speaks a little English and I'm like come on seal the deal with me my guy let's go and so I bring him into the room and he comes in and he looks and he's like oh bellissima bellissima the scuba dress <gasps> And the air just sucks out of the room. <laughs> I remember the bride's mom goes, what did you say? And he goes, it's a scuba dress. The material is a scuba. And I just was like, and there goes my rent for the month. I thought I had this in the bag. I thought this was going to be a nice little, you know, 
paycheck for me no they walked they said never no. mind oh my god I cannot believe that and what was what did that guy do afterwards uh, he he just like didn't understand why that was upsetting <laughs> he was like it is I mean I, I and at the time you know when you're a stylist you are working off of commission yeah. and so you know you're trying your best I love that I don't have to do that anymore because you don't have to lie to people or not lie, but you know, judge the truth, avoid yeah. telling them that it's a neoprene gown. Yeah. You're wearing and a so, very fancy wetsuit. Yeah, like, <laughs> listen, it's the most beautiful wetsuit you'll ever own. Uh, but yeah, he was just confused. He was like, what did I? That's hilarious. You blew I it, my guy. That. You blew it. <laughs> I love that. So at what point did you decide to move on? from working for other boutiques to then work for yourself? Um, I mean, the truth of the matter is I was running the customer care department for a national chain, a uh, bridal chain, and the pandemic hit and mm. we made it into November of 2020. And then they got us all on a Zoom call and said goodbye. And I got locked out of everything. And then, I, and then I was on unemployment, you know, and it was, it's honestly the best thing that could have happened to me, but I was so dedicated to that brand. Like I, it was my life. I really thought we were going to change the industry. And I thought my only way to change the industry was with a company like that. Mm. And then they, you know, imploded and left all of us hanging and also just like screwed over hundreds of brides and bridesmaids because they closed their doors and no one got refunds and no one got their dresses and it was a whole mess. I can't and even so imagine being a bride oh during the pandemic. Like I let's let's spare a moment of silence for all of absolutely. the pandemic brides because you guys Dear got God. the worst deal. Just terrible. And that had been my whole year as someone who was the the person you yeah. talked to when it was the the worst situation. God, that's so stressful for for you trying to handle all of that too. It was rough and we were seeing the effects of the pandemic before it hit America because most of the dresses were coming from China. Yeah. And so in January of 2020, we were starting to tell people, hey, your dress is going to be delayed and no one understood why. And then like, you know, by March, people started to understand why. But so, so really I, it was, that was the kick in the pants where I was out of work um, and I had this feeling where in this large company, I was one of the only people who I think really loved bridal. And truly, I think that is one of the reasons this company failed where weddings are not a way to make a quick buck. I know people think, look at the price tags and think, oh my God. But at the end of the day, for especially for bridal, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. And so I, I thought I wanted to stay in that industry, but also working at a boutique is exhausting. It's mm. a really demanding job. As I was getting older and looking at starting a family, I'm like, that isn't sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so I truly thought, well, I got a lot of customer service experience. I guess I will try and find something that is just like a customer service rep and I'm going to give up on weddings and maybe I'll have a blog that I'll do for funsies. Oh, wow. And that was literally my plan. And I was starting to make TikToks just for fun um, about wedding stuff. And I had made one about my own wedding, non-traditional things I had did, and it did really well. And that following year at the beginning of the year, I got a call from a casting director who was um, 
I can't go into, I guess, tons of detail, but it was for a host position for a reality TV show about mm. weddings. Mm-hmm. And I, they were interested in me and I made it to like the third round and then the project uh, got, got cut. As often happens in I, media. Which is fine, but it was like that opportunity, me seeing that could exist yeah, was More like options. what I needed. I was like, okay. I can't just settle. I'm not, I'm not ready to settle yet. And I, love that. I started diving more into social media and education for bridal. And uh, like that year officially started my own personal styling business. So that was, it was just like a series of kicks in the pants. I wish I could say I, I, you know, just struck out on my own, but it took a lot of different factors. And that is part of why, like not to get too woo woo or I'm like, this is where I feel like I'm meant to be because yeah. the universe was just like, girl, if you go to another customer service job, <laughs> you're just going to be so miserable. You can do a lot more and you can be happy doing it. I love, I mean, that's what this podcast is all about. And I love that you said the words don't settle. You know, mm-hmm. if it's not where your heart is, you can't stay in that role. You've got to yep. at least try, you know, at yeah. least try the thing you love try the thing you're passionate about and if it really doesn't work out and you've given it your best shot you won't regret it and then you can find something else but don't be sitting there with it oh I really I really want to try this and I love that you know it took a little while you know you're not 19 starting this business you're not 21 (laughs) starting this business and I'm not saying that to be like oh god she's so old because you're not You know, like no, it's, but- just, it's so refreshing, especially for women, because I feel like we're always told we have a shelf life. We're mm-hmm. always told, oh, you hit 30, you're you're done. Like you're allowed yeah. to live your life and pursue your dreams and do what you want. But when you hit that 3-0, it's marriage and babies. And that's yep. that's what your life has to be. So we can still have that. But I'm also so passionate about talking to women and showing other women that no matter what age you are. And whether mm-hmm. you have kids or not, whether you you have a partner or not, you can still be your own woman and have your own career. Hell yes. yes. Hell yes. <laughs> so what was it like when you finally were like, oh my God, I have this business. What am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> that. I When people ask would ask me how it's going, I still sometimes say this, not so much anymore, but I would just be like, I'm scared every day. <laughs> just... <laughs> terrified every day um I I think I I am I am a perfectionist and a Capricorn and I don't like asking for help and I don't like learning lessons I want it to be perfect you know what I mean (laughs) perfect first time or it's perfect first time or I'm quitting (laughs) and starting my own business was really like gotta address that like you're gonna, I was, it's constantly learning and it's constantly asking for help. Like I finally got like hired an accountant and that was such like a huge thing where I'm like, okay, like things are legit. Things are starting to happen. Mm -hmm. Asking for help about like other wedding vendors, what kind of, what kind of client management programs do you use? Things like that. And like actually trying to get that base where I, I know what I'm doing even before, even when I was working at boutiques, I would help friends all the time do what I do now, which is just, okay, what kind of look are you looking for? Here's where you should go. Here's what to expect. 
that I wasn't ever worried about. It was the actual like foundation of the thing that I'm still tweaking. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that is a healthy thing to do to constantly reevaluate of, is this working how Mm -hmm. I want it to work? Um, yeah, it was mostly just being afraid, but also just being so excited. And I'm really lucky. My husband is the most supportive man in the world. And, and I know like a huge privilege I had was we had a moment where, okay, if, if this business, if my business doesn't make X amount of money, we're not going to be destitute, which is not something everyone can say. And Mm -hmm. I want to be like super upfront about that, where if it wasn't for his support, Mm -hmm. I would not have been able to get this off of the ground. Yeah. And I love what you said as well, that you, you can't be afraid to ask for help because just because Mm -hmm. you run your own business doesn't mean you have to do it alone. Yes. Yeah. And also I was surprised by how many people were like very happy to help you know what I mean we're Mm -hmm. like excited to be in community with with me it was really really (laughs) nice (laughs) what have been some of your favorite moments with brides-to-be since you started your business Mm. or what do you love most about your the personal service that you provide Mm. I I just love I feel like I have been very very lucky Um, in that the people who find me, most of my leads, most of my clients find me on TikTok and it is that I am very, very real on that app and a little goofy. And the people who find me are are my people and they are the folks who I want to help when it comes to wedding dress shopping, Mm -hmm. where it's people who are plus size and are feeling so overwhelmed. It's people who are queer and don't want to be called a bride and they don't want like they don't know how to navigate this space because it doesn't feel like it's made for them and some of the best moments I've had are when I get to show someone like yeah the whole industry needs needs to improve a lot but actually there are already bubbles in the industry where you you are going to feel so at home Mm. and they are going to have exactly what you're looking for or a lot of times it's we actually don't have to do this whole bridal boutique shopping and we're going to go somewhere completely different. We're going to go online. We're going to go on Etsy. Here's an Etsy designer. I really trust that's going to make the perfect suit for you. That's going to feel perfect yeah. for you. And finding like those moments have been my absolute favorite where it's someone who doesn't feel like this industry is welcoming to them. Mm-hmm. And that is valid in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but then helping them still find an outfit that makes them feel like themselves and makes them feel hot. And that helps them get more excited for their wedding day. And that's, what's important. Like I'm a big, I'm a big celebrations girl. I, you know, there are not a lot of chances in life where we get to gather in this way for something Mm -hmm. good. You know what I mean? And so if we can make sure that that day feels so good for you, and part of that is what you're wearing, that's, that's the big win. And so I've been loving, just loving who I get to work with. I love that. Well, if anyone is listening and is completely resonating with what you're saying, where can they find you? Sure. You can find me on TikTok, Alicia Cole Styling, uh, or on Instagram at the same, um, or my website, which is just aliciacolestyling.com. And all of the links will be in the description box of this episode, but I would definitely encourage you guys to go and follow her because like she said, she is just a splash of color in this gray, gray world. And not just because she's wearing something very pink and very flouncy at the moment. 
Um, but Alicia, thank you so, so much for coming on and chatting to me. It has been lovely. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, then please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe, and I will catch you all next week.